0: You're listening to the Tech Life Today podcast, featuring thoughtful stories and diverse personalities of the alumni, students, and staff of the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. This is the place to learn and be entertained by people with a passion and a purpose, both inside and outside the classroom. The Tech Life Today podcast is an extension of Tech Life Today, Nate's online magazine. You can find more stories online by visiting techlifetoday.ca or by going to Tech Life Nate on Facebook and Twitter. 2020 hasn't gone the way anyone expected. The decade may have started with promise, but that was 2020 BC, before coronavirus. Now, even the simplest tasks, like getting groceries, require extensive planning. When this was recorded in early May, most Alberta businesses were closed for health reasons, as we all dutifully followed the advice of elected officials and public health leaders to help stop the spread. But do you ever wonder how decisions are made in an emergency or what needs to happen before an emergency is declared? Hello, I'm Brian Allery, your guest host for today's podcast. I'm a writer and editor for Tech Life Today. In today's episode, we're speaking with Josh Bowen, He's the director of Nate's Center for Applied Disaster and Emergency Management, or CADEM. CADEM plays a vital role in providing hands-on training and professional development for emergency managers. That includes the folks behind the scenes running a municipalities or provinces emergency operations center, but also first responders and industry. Josh is a veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces, and he's been involved in coordinating disaster responses for everything from flooding in Southern Alberta to the Fort McMurray wildfire. Josh is here today to shed some light on how decisions are made in a disaster, how a pandemic is a very different beast, and about how an institution like Nate operates in a crisis. Josh, welcome to a very special isolation edition of the Tech Life Today podcast.
1: Hi, great to be here.
0: We're not in our regular radio studio on campus, which is mostly closed. We're recording from our respective homes, and hopefully this thing turns out okay on many levels. The world has changed so much in the last seven to eight weeks that it's almost hard to know where to begin. So I guess let's talk about how a global pandemic like this is different than other emergencies you've been a part of.
1: That's a great place to start. Pandemic is is fundamentally different from everything else. Uh, It is sort of that all-encompassing event that that really changes the way that we have to do things. Uh, With major floods and fires, you can evacuate a community or a few smaller communities. Really, life goes back to normal for everybody else or carries on uh, as normal for everybody else. In a global pandemic, everything has changed for everyone, uh, and, and that's that can't be understated. The interesting thing is we're also seeing uh, here in Alberta, we're seeing evacuations of uh, Fort McMurray evacuated again. Um, they've now gone back and there's a major outbreak and economic disruptions uh, in multiple different areas. There's wildfires, there's, there's other flooding. And all of those things are going on within the context of a pandemic where you have to, to very carefully plan how you evacuate people, how you receive them uh, at reception centers, how you ensure that healthcare is able to continue and that you're able to provide those essential social services and essential services for people while still maintaining the physical distancing in order to to flatten the curve and, and eventually stop the spread of, of this pandemic. It, it truly challenges everything that we do. Why do you do what you do?
0: Why do you love uh, disaster and emergency management, which sounds like it could be uh, pretty scary?
1: I think if you ask everybody who does disaster and emergency management professionally, uh, they say, I got here by accident. And uh, I mean, My story: I was in the military and um, was supposed to go do uh, post grad work and stumbled into to the degree, then didn't use it. Got deployed on uh, four or five different domestic disaster responses uh, and ended up at Nate teaching it. To me, you know, the the highlights of my military career were being able to go and actually help and protect Canadians at home, and you know, just being able to truly serve and support canadians is is where i took so much pride and 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 was humbled uh, every single time uh, i remember being in uh, winnipeg for floods uh, just outside of winnipeg in 2011 and uh, one of the communities there came and said thank you for everything you're doing uh, our our community has has cooked some food and and brought some supplies for everybody here just as a way to say thank you for for what you're doing and it was people who were facing you know significant flooding on on their lands and their properties and took the time to actually come out and say thank you um and just being able to support people on their worst day is is what it's all about
0: it sounds like um in a, in an odd way disasters can bring out the best in people
1: they absolutely do yeah disasters definitely bring out the best in people Differences get put aside, you know, whether it's political ideologies or or bents, it all gets put aside because supporting people, protecting people, protecting life safety is is what it's all about. Uh, And then working together to find solutions to these wicked problems, to be able to actually come together, solve the problem and and advance society is, is what it's all about. We've all
0: admired how officials like Dr. Dina Hinshaw or Dr. Teresa Tam have stood before live cameras and live streams and calmly shared vital new information. But before those measured updates, a lot of decisions get made behind the scenes and things aren't necessarily so calm, are they?
1: Not always. Um, but one of the things that uh, is sort of unique to first responders and to to emergency management personnel is the ability to remain calm under pressure. And the majority of an emergency manager's time is is developing plans, developing contingencies, developing training, putting that out, running people through scenarios and exercises. So it's a lot of preparedness work and it's a lot of getting ready for when that thing goes wrong so that when something does go wrong, it's it's old hat. it's something that you've already practiced it's something you've already you're already prepared for. and really breaking things down to identify what are your priorities uh, and priorities never change they're life safety, protect the environment, protect infrastructure, and protect the economy. So you know what your priorities are, you fit the scenario into that, and then you really look and say, what are the objectives that I need to to, to come up with to solve the problems that I'm facing? Uh, and it's a very methodical way of, of working through a problem, so that you're able to keep that calm, cool, collected mentality all the way through.
0: We hear the phrase new normal a lot with reference to COVID-19. What does new normal
1: mean to you? I think we need to focus on the new normal for now. Uh, One of the things that, um, you know, our new normal right now is that everybody's home or as many people as can be our home. We're changing our behavior patterns. We're doing social distancing, all of those kinds of things in Two weeks, that new normal will look different. The new normal is change. And I think as long as we frame our understanding with the new normal for now and understand that it will change, that'll help people get through it. That's one of the questions that excites me every day. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen in terms of the social norms that we have adopted and been practicing for the last seven or eight weeks or, or longer in some cases and how that, how those stay, and how those leave, I think everybody is going to be uh, excited uh, to be able to hug their friends uh, and family and and celebrate together around a dinner table. And at the same time, there will be apprehension about that. Uh, you know, we look forward to uh, the fall, and there's that's normal flu season. Are people going to associate normal flu? a normal cold with COVID? And is that going to increase anxiety and increase uh, apprehension? And it's something that we need to be very conscious of and cognizant of that, you know, there there are all of these other things that are normal. And how do we ensure that we're being supportive of each other, we're being respectful, and that, that we're also uh, being safe? There's been a whole lot of people that have said, I could never work from home eight weeks ago, and and now they're working from home, thriving and loving it even more. So I think there's a whole lot of assumptions that have been challenged and will be changed in terms of the way that we do things and the way that we interact.
0: I'm sure, given your career and the work you've done with CADEM, um, that you have endless contacts in emergency management. And there must be a fair amount of comparing notes among, among your peers about who's doing what, which country or province is doing a great job responding, and others maybe not so much. Which organizations or leaders have most impressed both for
1: their actions and leadership? This is really unprecedented in anybody's lifetime and, and living memory. Some of the things that are are being done uh, in terms of being able to respond in uh, New Zealand has essentially eliminated and eradicated COVID uh, from, from the area. Now, we'll see what happens when borders reopen, but uh, they've done a phenomenal job uh, down there. We're seeing uh, some great downward trends in, in British Columbia. Uh, we're seeing flattening of the curve and and spread being reduced here in Alberta as well. And, you know, the CDC down in the States is doing some phenomenal research uh, and and pushing out a whole lot of really good information. There are so many great examples of people doing the right things and people doing um, what it takes to, to be able to make sure that we all come through this, but I think the best—the best, the best leadership—is coming from individuals who are choosing to follow those health restrictions and choosing to maintain the personal hygiene, maintain the physical distancing. Uh, if you're going to a, a crowded market, wearing a mask, doing all the things that we're being told by the public health officials, um, that takes a lot of personal leadership to be able to do that. Even if you see, you know, your neighbor down the street not necessarily doing it. What the general public is doing to ensure that we're stopping the spread is absolutely fantastic.
0: It might surprise some listeners to know that Nate's Emergency Operations Center was in full activation for several weeks. And during the height of the crisis, you were seconded from your regular duties at CADEM to oversee Nate's emergency response as the EOC director.
1: Can you explain what a typical day was like in that setting? I don't think there was a typical day. Uh, I mean, other than than the fact that we would clearly set the priorities and the objectives, uh, and our, our priorities didn't change throughout the uh, the entire response. And we prioritized the health and safety of our people, our employees, and our students. And then we essentially said, we have to take this face-to-face, hands-on campus and pivot it to an online learning environment uh, and and close down most of campus in order to be able to comply with all the the public health orders and regulations that were put in place, and we had to do that in about four days. So in terms of the rhythm and the, the plan and how the day went, uh, it was fairly standardized and it worked, but in terms of the the challenges that we faced and the problems that we, we encountered and the solutions that we came up with, it, it really changed every single day, uh, sometimes two or three times during the day.
0: It's taken a little while, but I think all of us have had to adapt to our current situation to some extent. Nate C O C is still on standby in case it's needed, but you've resumed your regular duties with CADEM. The Center for Applied Disaster and Emergency Management is a relatively new entity at Nate. What is it and why does it exist?
1: CADEM is founded on the belief that resilient communities and organizations are founded in collective training and professional development environments before a disaster happens. The whole idea is let's learn who's in our community. Let's exchange business cards with people before we actually need to. So you're building that network, which builds resilience across uh, communities, across sectors and across different levels of government. We focus on three major things. Uh, The first one is training. Uh, So we provide face-to-face courses, some online courses uh, will be coming out shortly and we run uh, training exercises so that. Our clients and our our partners can meet their regulatory requirements, uh, but can also do the things that they should be doing to ensure that they're resilient and that they're able to adapt when a pandemic happens or when a flood happens. The second thing that we focus on is what we call our professional best practices portfolio. And the professional best practices portfolio is really about we learned a whole lot from wildfires in B.C. in 2017. We learned a whole lot from wildfires in Slave Lake in 2012. But what are they learning in California? What are they learning in uh, Australia? What are they learning in Korea? And how do we take all of those best practices and say, right, these are the things that you need to know when you're responding to a wildfire in your community? And then we share that um, through public engagement and through a uh, white papers and and other uh, guides that we release. And then the last piece is really about enabling decision-making and building tool sets that enable decision-making. So we've put out a COVID-19 tracking dashboard uh, for Alberta, and really that looks at all of the different pieces of data that are on so many different sites. We aggregate it into one simple display so that you're able to see what's going on.
0: Well, as we record this, it's uh, emergency preparedness week here. What should the average Albertan be doing beyond following public health directives that we all should be doing? If there's one piece of advice that you'd have for people to prepare for a disaster, what would it be?
1: The Biggest piece of advice that I would give is one, know the hazards and risks in your community. Uh, if you are prone to overland flooding, if you are in a forest protection area, um, you're prone to wildfire. Those kinds of things. Understand the hazards that are in your community. Have a plan to deal with those hazards and have a 72-hour kit. Uh, We've all seen, you know, there was a run on toilet paper a long time ago and nobody could get toilet paper for weeks. So ensure that you've got 72 hours or longer of supplies to be able to sustain you. But know the risks, make a plan, have a 72-hour kit. What should be in an emergency plan? The plan needs to include... um, where you're going to meet up with people, uh, family members. So let's assume that um, there's a flood in, at, at my house. My wife and I are both at work. Um, who gets the kid from daycare? Where are we going to meet? How are we going to deal with that? Uh, how are we going to communicate? Um, how are we going to connect with uh, with each other? And where are we going to go? So including all those, those pieces. But another part of that uh, is having a copy of key documents, like a photo of your, uh, your credit card or having, uh, you know, digital copies of your, the deed to your house, your insurance, um, you know, copies of prescriptions, those kinds of things. So that if, uh, you know, heaven forbid there's a fire and you, you lose your house or it floods and you lose all that documentation, you've at least got a copy to be able to start from somewhere. So those things need to be included as, as well.
0: So we we've obviously learned a lot uh, uh, through um COVID nineteen and the coronavirus outbreak. Are we ready for the zombie apocalypse?
1: Oh, uh, I think this is a good test. Uh, it, it's a good uh, you know check of the system to see if we're if we're ready. Uh, and uh, you know it it's a joke, but uh, I I actually think it's one of the best scenarios to use. There it is a disruption to absolutely everything. You've got. You know, much like a pandemic, you've got supply chain disruption, you've got labor shortages, you've got uh, public health issues, you've got um, you know disruptions to critical infrastructure on, on a little bit more significant scale than what we've got uh, right now. But yeah, it, it's a great scenario to use.
0: Fantastic. All kidding aside, it's been great having you on the podcast today, Josh. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This, is, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks again to Josh Bowen from the Center for Applied Disaster and Emergency Management for being part of today's episode. And thank you for listening. In the episode show notes, you'll find related Tech Life Today stories, including how to build a 72-hour emergency kit. We also feature another interview with Josh about how to evacuate your home on a moment's notice. We also share the story of Nate alumnus and author Harold Larson, who has answered the call to serve community countless times as a wildland firefighter.